Hi, this is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is home for survivors like myself and those who yearn to build resilience in their mindset and live their best life. In season three, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the wellness, business, media, and travel industries. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed. As a board-certified wellness coach, number one best-selling author, and syndicated columnist, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Today's podcast guest on resilience is keynote speaker, author, and CEO of Common Goal, Nick Prefontaine. As Nick states, if you know you have your support, someone who knows the intimate details of your life, and you know there's no ulterior motives, and that they're 100% on your side, then it frees up so much of your mental energy to focus on accomplishing your objectives. And I think if you're lining up your support early on, it really puts you ahead of the pack. I am so excited to be here. Um, I My name is Nick Prefontaine. I'm a speaker, founder, and CEO of Common Goal. A comp- we're a company that inspires and leads motivated people to their common goal. And our mission, Savio, is to provide people with the support and tools to achieve their limitless potential. And I am thrilled to be here, as I said. Wonderful, Nick. So you and I connected because you contributed to my interview series with Authority Magazine, uh, Rising Through Resilience, How to Be Resilient During Turbulent Times. And what I found really most intriguing is what you just spoke about, which is the aspect of support, this idea of having the support of family and friends and having that mental energy and accomplishing that objective. How has life shown you that to be true? Well, I really, I really think going, going back to that uh, interview series that we did together, and that was, that was wonderful to be able to um, take part in that with you. But in that context, I think the support and what, what I always talk about and what, what we talk about at Common Goal, uh, the support is so important, um, and especially early on. Savio, because it allows you, if if you know you have your support, and that can be family, friends, or it can be like a relative or or uh, just someone who knows the intimate details of your life, and you know there's no ulterior motives and that they're 100% on your side, then it frees up so much of your mental energy to focus on accomplishing your objectives. So you don't have to be thinking about, oh, I, I wonder if they're, are they really coming to help me or do the, are they, tr- are they in this for themselves or, and I think if you're lining up your support early on, 
it really puts you ahead of the pack. Nick, I know in the article you mentioned very candidly about your snowboarding um, accident. Could you detail a little more information about that experience and what has that taught you? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. The the thing was in the in the article in the authority article, we weren't able to go into detail about my accident. So I'd love to I'd love to share that with you and your listeners today. I was, and I'll go back to that very day when I was at ski club with my friends and we had all brought our snowboard gear onto the bus to get ready. So we wouldn't miss any time once we got to the mountain. So we got ready on the bus and when we got to the mountain, everyone headed into the lodge to get ready, but we were already ready because we had saved time and I uh, got ready on the bus. So we headed right for the chairlift on the way up. We noticed that it was, it was icy because it had been raining. That didn't matter though. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was our first time on the snowboard, uh, for my friends and I. So we got to the top, buckled in and at the time I was, I guess, I guess you could call it, I, I was, um, looking, looking to wow people, I guess you could say. And everyone on the way up were talking, was talking about the fact that, oh, you'd be crazy to hit that jump in these conditions. But I took that as a challenge. So of course I went towards that jump with all my speed. And then going up to the jump, I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow going up it. And that sent me off balance. So then through the air, I landed on my head. That was the last thing that I was, that I remember. I was, I was told that I landed on my head. Um, they tried to, I was also told they tried to life flight me. They tried to bring a helicopter in to life flight me because of the severity of my injuries but they weren't able to because it was too windy. So they had to send paramedics. Now there was only one paramedic that could intubate right on the spot. And I needed that to be able to breathe. So luckily for me that day, and there were several things that just broke in my favor, which I did. I can't, I can't explain. It's, it's amazing. Like, the par that paramedic, that one paramedic out of, I don't know if it was six or 10 total that, that works on the staff was working that day. Uh, then I was also told that once I made the initial impact, my goggles, I wore some pretty heavy duty goggles with a lot of padding. They, they cushion each blow as I continue to roll down the mountain and continue to hit myself. So that was another thing that happened to me, uh, which I, I can't explain how the goggles moved with, with each impact and uh, contributed to saving my life. So then once I got to the hospital, I was, I was in pretty rough shape. And the doctors told my parents that, well, he's probably not going to be able to walk, talk, or eat on his own. And for lack of a better term, uh, probably going to need 24 hour care for the rest of his life. So 
it was a lot. Uh, it was a, it was a lot for them to swallow, but they they didn't they didn't allow me to hear that message. They made a point of escorting the doctors out of the hospital out of my hospital room so I wouldn't hear that. Um, and they allow me to treat it like any other situation that I have that I had encountered up to that point in my young life. And uh, as I said, I was only, I'm not sure if I, I've said yet, um, I was 14 years old. So they just allowed me to get up and treat it like everything else. Um, I was told that I was in the coma for three weeks. I really don't remember a month because it was a partially induced coma. Uh, the coma had to be partially induced because when I made the initial impact, they they said that I would have been out for roughly seven to 10 days, but they were afraid that I would wake up and I would panic and I'd be, where am I? What's going on? What's happening? And then I already had swelling in my brain. So they were afraid that it would increase and I would die. So they had to induce me into a coma. And that's why I don't remember a month because it was... Yeah, it was three weeks I was in the actual coma, but then coming out of it, um, it was probably another week or two that I really got my bearings and came to. And then after a month, I was transported to a rehab hospital in Boston, and that's where I began my, began my journey of having to learn how to walk, talk, and eat again. And as I, as I said to you uh, previously, my parents didn't allow allow that message to come into my head, the doctor's prognosis. So I was basically able just to treat it like any other situation, just get up, put put my best foot forward, do the best I could every day. And that led me to running out of the hospital uh, less than 60 days later. Wow. You detail also, not only did you overcome and recover from that, but you ended up going and learning and shadowing your family business, the real estate business, and how that taught you. What I found really profound is that if you expect the help from others, you need to realize that they're on your side. Could you explain a little more context about that? Because I found that very intriguing. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the question. The What I was talking about and what I, what I was referencing is I learned that very early on, uh, and that was shortly after my accident, it didn't, someone had to reflect it to me that, wait a minute, you, you were knocking on doors in your family real estate business in some not so nice areas of cities, um, knocking on doors of people that hadn't paid the mortgage in months and sometimes years. Um, at only 16 years old, two years, only two years after your accident. And I was like, I kind of like sat back and I was like, oh yeah, that, that is kind of a big deal. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, what I learned is that you, you can't expect people to know that they're going to, that you're there to help them and you're going to be on their side and help them through whatever situation they're going through unless you help them bring down their walls because we all we all have walls up when we're dealing with anything foreign anything new to us that we don't know aren't familiar with and don't understand 
what I learned is we had to, I, I first tried my initial approach, which was just to go and knock on the door and talk, basically talk at the people and say, here's, here's what I can do for you and read off a script. However, what I learned is after witnessing people that were having success doing it is that you have to take a more like a relaxed approach and you can't do that because that's going to immediately keep people's defenses up. You have to help them bring down their wall and do a softer approach, uh, which is what I learned how to do. Um, and that by doing that, really, people opened up to me and told me about their situation, what they were doing to fix it, and uh, those nasty banks. And um, so um, that, that was a big lesson for me early on. And like I said, I was only 16 when that happened. Yeah. Which, you know, leads me to the work you do now with Common Goal, this idea of leading people to their common goal and allowing them to achieve their limitless potential. How have you found that, especially in the world that we live in currently, how have you found that people are resonating to that? Well, all right. So there's a few things with, with your question. So in order for in order for anyone to achieve your limitless potential, you first have to get past, get to the other side of whatever it is you're dealing with and whatever it is you're going through. Uh, whether it's a, a life challenge, a life crisis, a trauma, uh, death of a family member, that kind of thing, you, fir you first have to get up and deal with what's in front of you. Um, and that, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest thing that I learned in my accident is you can't, you can't necessarily think too far ahead because then it becomes overwhelming. What you have to do is just treat it one step at a time. And that's really where the whole step methodology came from um, that we talk about. And the first letter, the step is an acronym. The first letter of that is S, support. And that's what we already talked about. It's so important to focus on what's in front of you and take it one step at a time because then Will it be a lot of work at the beginning? Yes, of course. But then once you get to the other side of that, whatever trauma, um, struggle, life challenge that you're dealing with, you're able to to really achieve your limitless potential. And that that's one of the things that we're so excited about. Yeah. You know, Nick, in the article, you also uh, detail how uh, you worked with someone named Danielle and her partner had glioblastoma and unfortunately succumbed to it. Uh, and this sort of idea of supporting her in that time of need, what has been your experience with dealing with a case like that? The thing is, and this this is what I've learned about all all trauma, whenever anyone's going through a trauma is people, whether it's friends, family, relatives, anything like coworkers, don't know what to say because they immediately put their own or uh, it's not project, but that that's the word that's coming to mind, put their own, what they would deal, what it would be like to go through that for themselves. So they project their own experience onto other people and therefore they freeze. They don't know what to do. 
and the most the most important thing is that we're able to just support people to be there for them and to help them through that process because if we all Savio get quiet enough and this is something that I've been I've been working on actively since 2009 which is meditation if you if you get quiet if most of us in this world will get quiet for even just minutes per day um we often know what the right answer is and we often know what the right thing to do is but the majority of the world doesn't or i can just speak to this country um doesn't know how to get quiet and doesn't doesn't know how to to even embark on the medita- meditation because it's such a it's such a loaded term that people feel like oh i i can't i can't do that because i i don't it's so like i have 20 minutes or 30 minutes or even 10 minutes in the morning but really all meditation is is just getting quiet you don't have to you don't have to sit in a um cross legged position and and hum different chants and light incense or anything it's just getting quiet that's all it is so i think what i found is if we just get quiet most of us know what the right answer is You know, speaking of support, you beautifully express the support of your parents in allowing you to do the basic things that most of us take for granted, which is walking, talking, and eating, and how they really supported you through that process. I know the messages they gave you was about not focusing on the actual prognosis, but what else have they done for you in your life that has carried over? Ah, uh, oh gosh, you probably you probably saw about. uh reading reading about my experience Savio that they they also put affirmations up all over the room um and that was at a point when it wasn't like I was getting up and running around the hospital floor so it, I couldn't go anywhere so it was the best thing for me because that was all I saw if I wasn't meeting with a doctor or in a therapy which i had to do therapy for double sessions um 5 days a week so i i would get up in the morning um an occupational therapist would teach me how to shower and then i would get started on my physical therapy then occupational therapy speech therapy then I would break for lunch then i would do the whole thing over again so speech occupational speech physical therapy and that was 5 days a week for me wow wow so really wanted to come back to really the purpose of today's conversation which is how do you define resilience nick uh to me to me resilience is never giving up it's it's keeping and it really aligns that term aligns with so much of me personally and like what i believe in them in term what we at common goal believe is getting up every day no matter what and keep taking that step forward no matter how small as long as you're doing that there's there's no stopping you and that there's no telling how much success you'll achieve in your life if you keep getting up and taking that next step because that next step is always going to be available to you and 
that's going to happen because you take your first step. And that's why, that's why it's so important to get started and to take your first step, whatever it is to, uh, for you, whatever it is you're going through. You know, the word hope, you know, which you mentioned a few times uh, in the article, is a word that most people overuse. How do you find or have you seen individuals cultivating hope in their lives? That's a, that's a tough one. Find individuals cultivating hope. I think... I can, I can liken that, Savio, to my experience, which is going through, going through my snowboarding accident. I really, there wasn't, there wasn't a word that I used to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to have hope. It was just, I didn't have a choice. Everything, everything was taken away and the only choice I had was to keep getting up every day and taking that next step. Now, I can I can really use the your question to apply it to a different uh, different incident that I had later in my life. I was having, and I think I may have touched on this in the in the article. I was having as um 2012 came real close. I was having some issues with my voice and I was wondering, I was just looking everywhere for an answer and wondering what was going on, um, what I could do to, what I could do to fix it and why my voice was a little bit off. And I'd like to, I'd like to share that with you because it applies to your question of how individuals cultivate hope because it was at the point when and I'm not going to go into everything I did and all the all the people I went and saw and specialists and everything, but it was at the point when my voice was probably at at its most difficult. And when I say difficult, it was it was hard for me to get the words out. That's what it felt like. It felt like it wasn't painful, nothing like that. It was just very constricted, like very constricted right here. So it was difficult to get the words out, but I think when my voice was at its worst, I knew that I had to be sharing this message. It's the strangest thing, but I knew at that time that I had to be spreading this message and sharing this message. And that's what, that's what led me to today. And that's to help people to get through whatever it is they're going through, trauma, life crisis, or other challenge. Because, I don't know, Savio, it's just when I was going through that, and it, it's really hard to explain, when I was going through that, and I said that, I verbalized that to a few people around me that, oh no, I, I'm, do, I'm doing the wrong thing here. I gotta, I gotta be doing this and, and following this calling and helping people this way. And, and sharing my story from stage and, and helping people. What I was told is, oh, okay, good, but let's, let's just help you get your voice back first. And, <laughs> and I was, I, it's funny. It, it's funny to laugh. Like I, I even laughed at the time. I was like, okay, yeah, we gotta, we gotta work on this first. But I, I knew at that point that 
this is what I was meant to do. This is yeah. what I was meant to do in my life. Yeah. You know, in the article, I asked a very curious question uh, between resilience and courage. Well, you're a whether, very curious guy, Sonny. <laughs> whether whether uh, courage or resilience is one and the same or different. Do you see them as similar or, or different? My answer, my, I don't think my answer is going to change um, as it did in the interview. And you can let me know how on point I am on this. But I feel that, I feel that courage to me, let me, if you don't mind, take a sip of water here. To me, being courageous or having courage was never something I understood. Um, and still to this day, I don't, I don't understand. I, I understand the premise. I, I looked up the definition in the dictionary, which I like to do a lot of the times. And I don't understand a word, but I understand the premise of courage and being courageous. But when people tell me that I am, or it's a courageous thing I did or, or something like that, I'm, I just, I can't really relate it um, in my mind because that's kind of an, I feel that that's an afterthought. That's an afterthought and a label that people that, uh, people that have not gone through an experience use to describe something that they can't understand. Um, which is being miraculous or amazing, or I don't know how you got through that or, or something like that. Uh, resilience is something that you can cultivate, you can focus on. Uh, as I said, one of um, being persistent, getting up, keep getting up every day and taking that next step, no matter how small it is, that's the final letter in the acronym step that we've come up with and that I unknowingly use uh, during my recovery. And again, when I have my voice issue come up um, unconsciously throughout my life is P of step is persistence. So that goes right along that that is very related to resilience and being resilient. So I think, I think they're different um, and I might differ from other people that you've had on this show, um, but that that's just my belief. That's what I think. Yeah, I Does think that you, sense? yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think you described it as courage is something that happens in hindsight versus yeah. resilience is something that happens in, in the moment. Yeah. Uh, but you know what's really uh, I find really also fascinating is that you, not only did you have the snowboarding accident, but you also had the voice sort of situation, and people were just saying for you to live with it. What are your five steps? And I know you touched upon this. Um, that someone can be more resilient. Oh, good. Uh, this is awesome. I'll be able to. I'll be able to share my um, my step method, the step the step system that we have. So, S step is an acronym uh, that we use that we we use to uh, help people that are going through a trauma, and I unknowingly used to overcome and succeed at multiple things throughout my life. So S is for support. Now you want to make sure that you have your support lined up right at the beginning, uh, because once you do that, whether it's family, friend, relative, um, 
any anyone that's there to support you and that knows you intimately and that you know is on the on your side once you have that it frees up so much of your mental energy to focus on accomplishing uh, your objective which is getting through getting past your life challenge or crisis trauma whatever it may be t of the step system is trust trust that the next step will make it itself available to you once you take your first step this also goes back to trusting yourself you have to have you have to have a trust or an, and a confidence and a faith in yourself that you are you are going to succeed and you are going to uh, get to the other side you have to have that belief now e is my favorite letter of the acronym which is energy uh, energy is it's so important to focus on your energy um being and i already touched on it a little bit savio with meta, my comment on meditation and people people build it up to be this thing that it's not it, it's just getting quiet and that can that can that can be only minutes a day it doesn't does not matter um when i was when i was in the hospital my parents actually had someone come in and perform reiki on me um and that was at a point when i was bedridden so i couldn't i couldn't do anything so i'm fortunate for the fact that they they had someone come in so meditation um is a thing that you can focus on with e um with energy also it's taking care of yourself uh health diet exercise because if you're not if you're not doing that um if you're not if you're not taking care of yourself you're not allowing the body to to do its natural ability which is to heal itself finally p persistence which we already we already touched on uh go it marries right along with uh being resilient and resilience is once once you take your first step no matter how small keep getting up every day and taking your next step and as long as you do that there's there's no such thing as not accomplishing your objective and then i know there's one last part there which, is, is, there which is, is a great is fun <laughs> and I there really is, love there that. is yeah <laughs> and the last the fifth part of that is just is to make sure you're having fun um and i can give you several examples from my it's just who it literally it's who i am it's everything i do is i gotta i gotta look for the humor in anything i'm doing or else what's the point but that that's just me though and i i think it helps by adding humor to the mix of those five things it allows you to to really take ego off the table and if you're joking about yourself and making fun of yourself uh for for lack of a better term it it's very easy to take ego off the table which has no place um when when you're looking to recover like this having fun I, i can i just have a quick story for you if we have time so during during my accident my grandfather who he was one of the people who i think i i owe a debt of gratitude to for um giving me some of his humor he brought me in a gift um he thought it was at the time when i had 
only been at, at uh, the rehab hospital in Boston for a, a few weeks. I was still in a wheelchair. He brought in that gift to really help me lighten up and, and to be my old self. And that gift was a fart machine. Huh. Wow. So yeah, very, 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 uh, very important. <laughs> um, so there are, there are so many stories from it, but I remember I was in my hospital room and still in my wheelchair and there was a nurse that was coming in. My grandparents were there too. Nurse was coming in and like checking my vital signs and going around and, and going to other sides of the bed. And when she would come around me, I would press it. And <laughs> we were all dying laughing. We were all cracking up, but she had to be, she had to be polite and, and like, it's part of her job. You know, maybe, maybe other patients do, do fart when, when she's in taking their vital signs I, uncontrollably. I don't know, but I, I just thought it was the funniest thing. And then I would play jokes on other patients and stick it in their wheelchair as they were being wheeled away. Um, there was a long hall where we had a cafe, we had a uh, cafeteria in the basement where they took me to have lunch. I stashed it in the wheelchair going down that long hallway. And whenever we would pass by a doctor or nurse, I would press it. And they, you should have seen them. They, it was, they would, they would look and they would, they'd be like, they would look at my grandmother like, Oh my God, I can't believe you. And I, I got a really big kick out of it. And I, th I think it helped. Um, it definitely helped in my recovery. And, and I, I, to this day, whatever I do, has to involve humor. So Nick, so I want to transition into this part. Uh, that's the fifth one. Oh, okay. I want to part transition into the part where I call brainstorming. So I asked a question about if you create a movement, what would that be? Uh, and you mentioned this whole acronym step and taking that first step. I just thought maybe you and I can talk for a couple of minutes here on how we can move that conversation or that idea forward in the world today. Um, so just, yeah, just wanted to just have a casual conversation about it. All right. Um, let me see. I mean, the biggest thing is there, I think with everything going on with, with the news and wars that are happening and crisis that that's happening. I, I think there was, there was a, a shooting that, that happened the other day too in, in New York city. So it's just like every time you turn on the news, um, you're bombarded with things. You're bombarded with other things that are going on that are obviously outside of your control. But if you focus on just taking one step at a time and focus on what is in your control. You can't get worked up over something that's happening over here. Like, okay, that's sad. I you know I feel bad for those people, but it really is none none of your business. I mean, it doesn't unless unless you were you were a victim or you were that's part of your daily travel route. Um, it, it doesn't. I don't, I don't mean to be crass here, Savio, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't concern you. So it, I'm not saying it's, it's not negative and not bad that that happened. That is, and I feel for all the victims that are affected, definitely. However, if we just focus on taking one step at a time, and the thing is that 
what's more important than the next step is the first step. So if you're if you're stuck and you don't you don't know what to do and you, and you're overwhelmed and you're like oh what do I do where do, where do I start? If you just take one step, no matter how small, the next step will always be available to you. Yeah, you know what I so concur with that. Uh, in a lot of my work as a coach, we always talk about visions, and you need to have a clear vision, even if it's not 100% going to manifest. You need to have an idea of where you're going, otherwise. Mm-hmm you're basically lost. So I just love that you highlighted that um, in the article and and we get to speak about it. Um, But Nick, uh, where can my listeners and viewers and audience find out more about you and your work online? Sure. Uh, They can go to our website, nickprefontaine.com forward slash step. And that will help them to get started on their first step. after, after they put in their info, they'll get our free ebook called Step, which is going to help them to take that next step in their life. Awesome. Well, Nick, this was truly enjoyable. Thank you so much for your time and your energy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Savio. I had a blast. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human We Solve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. You can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, a subscription to my weekly newsletter, where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains, and my author website, isurvivedcancer.co, where you can purchase my number one best-selling book, I Survived Cancer and Here's How I Did It. 35 cancer survivors share their journey and view the book trailer, including excerpts from the book. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this podcast platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.